Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to Be the Informed Patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. Upstate was chosen to participate in a national $32 million multi-institutional clinical trial to improve patient outcomes after severe traumatic brain injury. Here to explain how the study will work is Dr. Devin Burke. He's an assistant professor of neurology at Upstate. Welcome to The Informed Patient, Dr. Burke. Thank you, Amber. It's great to be here. I'm very excited to talk more about the trial. Now, this uh, trial, this study, is paid for by the National Institutes of Health. In addition to Upstate, how many other institutions are participating? So it's a, a multi-centered trial. There's about 50 sites around the country. These sites are all level one trauma centers like Upstate Medical University and sites that see a large volume of severe traumatic brain injury, just like Upstate. What does level one trauma center mean? Can you explain why that's an important designation for patients with TBI? So level one trauma center is a healthcare system that specializes in the management and resuscitation of very sick trauma patients. In order to be a level one trauma center, you need availability of uh, multiple specialists uh, on call and also have some capabilities such as urgent surgical intervention, burn intervention, and things like that. So when does this study start and how long does it last? We're in the process of submitting our IRB, which is an institutional review board document. And once that's approved by the study site or the countrywide study, then we're hoping to start enrolling patients as soon as possible. Part of our uh, approval for the IRB is making sure we do enough due diligence to spread word about that we're doing this trial that is soon coming to the Syracuse community. Well, let's talk about the scope of the problem of traumatic brain injuries. About how many people come to Upstate with traumatic brain injuries every year? Traumatic brain injury is a very common disorder and even more common in certain age groups, age groups that are mobile driving vehicles, elderly population that is susceptible to falls, and those that are in high-risk activities such as cycling, motorcycling, contact sports, and things like that. Of those that get a traumatic brain injury, a severe traumatic brain injury, which is the patient population that we're looking in in this trial, is a little more rare. I would say Upstate as a whole sees about 100 people per year with a severe traumatic brain injury. So that is the patient population that we are going to be focusing on for this trial. How do you define severe traumatic brain injury as opposed to regular traumatic brain injury? Severe traumatic brain injury or the categories of brain injury are usually defined by the examination on arrival. So people who have a severe traumatic brain injury are usually comatose, not following commands, and likely requiring mechanical ventilation to provide their body with enough oxygen. So these are very sick, comatose patients who have a traumatic brain injury. And I know it's individual based on the patient, but in general, what is the prognosis for someone who has a severe traumatic brain injury? It is certainly the most morbid type of brain injury. I would say about 30 to 40% of people with severe traumatic brain injuries, those in a, a coma, those who are not waking up, will die in about six months. Of those patients that survive, which can be about 60%, a lot of them suffer 
lifelong disability. About 80% suffer lifelong disability. Um, your outcome depends upon age, medical conditions prior to the traumatic brain injury, and also what we hope is what we do here in, in the ICU and operating rooms and things like that. So it's a large problem, a very common disease that is very serious and morbid. In our minds, this is the perfect kind of disease to try to do more research to provide better care for our patients. I wanted to ask you what sorts of procedures might be required for these patients during their hospitalization. The trial itself involves a couple procedures. One of the procedures that's done after you have a traumatic brain injury, one of the predictors of how you will do is basically how high the pressure is in your brain. After you hit your head and it can swell just like any bruise or any injury, the brain is a little different because there's no room for your injury to swell. So you can have increased pressure inside your brain. One procedure that we'll do in an injury this severe is to place a monitor intracranially to continuously measure the pressure inside the brain. We have certain parameters that we like to keep it below and keeping it below those certain parameters has shown to improve outcome in prior studies. With this trial, there's another monitor that we can place inside the brain that measures the oxygen present inside the brain. And that is a thing that we've actually done here at Upstate for a number of years, but there has never been any high quality randomized controlled data to support this practice. That is really the crux of the research that we're doing is to look at outcome with the brain pressure monitor versus the brain pressure monitor and the oxygen monitor. These are the two groups that we're going to look at and see if one group does better or worse. This is Upstate's The Informed Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith. I'm talking with neurologist Dr. Devin Burke about a new study designed to improve patient outcomes after severe traumatic brain injury. So the patients who are part of the study, how will they be able to give consent to be in the study if they're comatose with a traumatic brain injury? That is an excellent question, and that is one of the things that makes our trial unique. So when you have a disease such as this, that really the patients with severe traumatic brain injury are unconscious and unwilling or unable to give their consent. The government passed a law in the 90s to try to remedy this conflict. You have these diseases such as traumatic brain injury or other emergent diseases that require high quality research, but you have the problem that the patients that would be enrolled are too sick to be awake or to give consent. To remedy this conflict, the FDA passed a law called the Exemption from Informed Consent Act. And this is designed to try to improve the quality of research done in patients with emergent illness. It comes with a lot of specifiers and a lot of requirements because what we're asking for is to enroll a patient into a trial without their consent. So that's a pretty serious venture. So. The things that it requires you to do is to, one, consult the community as a whole, let them know that this trial is being performed, and to solicit their input and their thoughts and opinions, and really to reach all sorts of demographics within the community. The youth, we went up to Syracuse University, we talked to Neuroscience Club up there and got their opinions, because the youth, that is a population that is at high risk of traumatic brain injury. 
We've also talked to elderly populations and received their opinions on the ethics of this trial. We're required to do six of these events and we've completed all these, which is great. The second thing that we're required to do is public disclosure events to disclose that this is a trial we will be performing and give people advance notice. Some things we've done are certain press releases and really this podcast helps as well. The informed patient plays an essential role in disseminating this important information that we take you back. Well, you said, or you described that you'll be comparing this test for the intracranial pressure with the intracranial pressure test and the brain tissue oxygenation test. You as a practitioner, do you have kind of a gut feeling of which one you think is going to be a better way to determine which patients are going to do well? Here at, at Upstate University and uh, Department of Neurocritical Care, we have been placing the uh, intracranial oxygen catheters for a while. That's on some lower level evidence, some retrospective studies, some correlatory studies, some animal studies that showed that increasing the oxygen or monitoring the amount of oxygen in the brain can possibly lead to a better outcome. So we hope that that is the case. It also gives us another tool to try to optimize this disorder that has such high morbidity and mortality. Um, However, in order for a trial to be done, there needs to be a panel that decides that one is not better than the other. We call this principle equipoise. In order to perform a trial, it has to be truly unclear what treatment is better because in this trial, we are going to be treating patients with intracranial pressure monitoring alone. So it has to be clear in the evidence that there is a gap and there is not a certain answer, but obviously. We're hoping that we can have some more tools to treat these patients. Well, please walk us through how this is going to happen practically when the trial begins and a patient arrives in the emergency department with a traumatic brain injury. What happens then? Do they call you? I want to emphasize it takes a village. This is a multidisciplinary venture. So the first people other than the EMTs that the patient will see is the emergency physician and emergency team. So the emergency team will usually alert our trauma surgeons that there is a trauma coming in. And if the trauma potentially involves the brain and there's a threat of a severe traumatic brain injury, neurosurgery will be alerted as well. And our trauma and emergency team will both assess the patient for any life-threatening injuries that require resuscitation. And then we will start to consider the patient for the trial. So there'll be some criteria. The criteria will be mainly around what does the examination look like? Is the patient comatose? And if so, then we would hope that our emergency and trauma colleagues alert our research team. We'll come down, evaluate the patient for enrollment in the trial. It's on the easier end because truly what we're doing in the trial is very similar to what we do on a daily basis. It's not really changing much. It's just incorporating these patients in uh, a more systematic way to evaluate if the treatments that we do, if they help or not. Some of these patients will have more than just a traumatic brain injury. They'll have other injuries as well. Are they still able to be in the trial if they're having their other injuries taken care of before? Yeah, most of them will. We are always in close consultation with our trauma team evaluate the safety of enrolling in the trial. If the other injuries are um, not too life-threatening, then yeah, sure, they can be enrolled in the trial. However, if there are urgent surgical emergencies that 
need to be taken care of prior to treatment or monitoring of the severe traumatic brain injury, then those will be taken care of at that time. Patient will probably likely not be enrolled in the trial. So always the life-threatening issues take precedence. How do you decide which arm of the trial the patient will be in, either the one where they're just getting the intracranial pressure or? Yeah, so it's, it's a randomized trial. So once the patient has met criteria for inclusion, the information will be sent to our central hub and the computer will randomize to one treatment strategy versus the other. So the clinician and nursing uh, at bedside won't really know at the time what group the patient gets assigned. And they'll stay in the same arm the whole time they're in the hospital, right? That's kind of the whole point. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you making time to tell us about this, Dr. Burke. Of course. I'm happy to talk about it. Traumatic brain injury is a passion of mine and we truly need better options out there. And there's such a need for research and we're happy to be on the cutting edge here at Upstate and the Neuro ICU. And I just want to shout out to all the nurses in the neurocritical care unit that work hard every day to provide good care to our patients. And thank you so much. My guest has been Assistant Professor of Neurology, Dr. Devin Burke. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu informed. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend to listen too. And you can rate and review the Informed Patient podcast on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you tune in. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.